0: We'll be continuing on in Revelation eighteen. So if you please turn to Revelation eighteen and please stand when you find your place in God's holy word. (laughs) After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the great! She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed, as she glorified herself and lived in luxury. So give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and fathom, and she will be burned up with fire, for the mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth, who committed sexual morality and lived in luxury with her, will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold and silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves. That is, human souls. The fruit of... For which your soul long has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of of these wares who gain wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste, and all... His shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all who trade on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city, where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence, and will be found no more. And the sound of the harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters, will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants... Were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints, and all who have been slain on the earth. You reading the word, you may be seated. As Brother Mark was praying for the offering, I couldn't help but think, there's certainly not a uh, chapter in Revelation 18 that is easy to preach. And as as we look in Re- Revelation 18 here, we... we we come across this great city Babylon, and many have many have argued who this is and what this is and how should this be interpreted. Probably, I think probably the most ridiculous one I came across in my lifetime, anyway, is 9/11. I remember everybody posting this chapter after 9/11 happened and saying, "Oh, great city Babylon, you have fallen," condemning New York City and condemning the United States as being Babylon. But the truth is, if, if we're honest and have an honest look into Scripture, we'll realize that. Babylon can only be one place. It has ever only been one place, and it will only ever be that place. So I want us to to look and, and see what, first of all, what the passage here says. It says this will be a dwelling place for demons, that unclean spirits, birds, unclean and detestable beasts, that all nations will have drunk, which here means has fallen away, have sinned because of her passionate immorality. Kings have committed adultery with her. She desires extravagant luxury. We all see sadly that God's people are dwelling within her and are, are commanded to come out of her so they will not partake in her judgment. Verse 10 tells us some important clues on who this is. Oh Babylon, you great city. Babylon is, as I noted last time I was up here, uh, Revelation 17 had to do with the religious system of the Antichrist. and Revelation 18 does deals away with the political system. I want you to see that when we looked in Revelation 16 and we had the, the bowls of judgment being poured out, I, I told you the next few chapters will show you, will give you more details, similar to how Genesis 1 gives you kind of an outline view of creation, and Genesis 2 helps break it down and give you the details. And, and that is what the Apostle John is doing for us here. So Revelation 17, the political, or the religious system is destroyed. Revelation 18 here, we have the political system, and then next week we will actually have the battle of Armageddon. Satan himself will be dealt with, the Antichrist himself will be dealt with, and all those who, who follow after him. Amen. When we, we look at the word uh, Babylon, I, I think we, we need to realize um, a lot of people will speak of Rome. And Rome is the religious headquarters. It is not the political headquarters. While Rome is the place where the revived Roman Empire will come out of the head of this, is not actually in Rome, but but is the Antichrist who has made his home... In the very city of Babylon, and today it is still a city. It is a a desert wasteland with very few people living in it. It once was a a great mighty place. If you were to, to study the prophet Daniel, he lived in Babylon. You know the little city that is in Iraq today that we call Babylon was the great headquarters of the world. King Nebuchadnezzar was the pride and joy of of that that time of the day, and he was a haughty man. He he thought himself to be as great as God. And there's a point in his life where God humbles him. I pray you never get humbled the way Nebuchadnezzar was humbled. He is humbled to the point where because of his haughtiness, because he wanted to raise himself up to be like God, God said, I have created you, and I will make you be like an animal. And as close as a man could be an animal, that's Nebuchadnezzar. He lost his mind and was eating grass out in the fields. A great king. And then a great animal. Understand that regardless who we are or where we are, that, that God knows us completely. And if, okay. if we reach that point where we are arrogant to God, He will deal with us, as He did with Nebuchadnezzar. But if we go back, we could see from the very beginning that Satan is always trying to bring humanity down, trying to deceive humanity. And we, one of the great moments in Genesis is the Tower of Babel. Babel means confusion. Guess where they get the name Babylon from? It is the very place where we tried to build the, the tower to God because we thought we were so great and mighty. And so Babylon, again, is, is that, that, great, that great city that was once used by, by Satan and demons. If you were to, to d- dive into Daniel, you'll see a point where Gabriel is trying to bring Daniel a message from God. But it gets a little delayed. Why, why is that? Because there were demons, Satan himself tries to stop Daniel from delivering the message. Guess who comes to deal with Satan? You should know his name by what? Michael, the archangel. We've spoken about him before. But if you read in Daniel, Gabriel says, I meant to come to you earlier, Daniel, but I was detained until Michael, the archangel, came. And so... So we have here back, back in Daniel, Gabriel gives this prophetic message about this great vision that King Nebuchadnezzar had. And it was it was very hard for Daniel and the others to understand and he needed to go before God and pray to God to reveal to him what does this mean. And I want, want to show to you, um, recently in the, in the 1980s in Iraq, of course Saddam Hussein was, was the leader then. He tried to rebuild Babylon. And there's... Parts today that, that resemble the old Babylon. He actually he took it. If you were to go there today, you would find bricks that had some Arabic writing on it. If you were to have them translated, this is what they would translate out to. This was built by Saddam, son of Nebuchadnezzar, for the glory of Iraq. Satan has been putting it into the hearts of ungodly men to rebuild Babylon. To rebuild the city that mocked God. But when we... But when we look at this image that is given back in Daniel, it gives us much clues to how we could see Babylon and how it affects us today. As you, you, most of us will well know, this is what the image looks like. It has a head of gold, bright and beautiful. And then we go on and it had the, the, the breasts and, and arms that, that were made out of silver, the stomach and thighs of brass. And it had legs of iron. And of course the feet and toes were part iron and part clay. Not the best mixture if you ask me. If you want to build your house, you're not going to mix iron and clay together because that's what. They don't mix and the clay's going to give out. But what I want you to notice about this is notice the metals. If I were to ask you if you could, if you could take any of these metals off this statue and put it in your bank account, which one would it be? It would be the gold, right? Gold is worth more than silver. Silver is worth more than brass. Brass is worth more than iron and iron is definitely worth more than clay. Well, Notice something else about this. Gold, while it may have more value to us, is actually the weakest of them. While the value and the glory of these metals is at the top, as you go down, you'll see that they gain in strength but decrease in value. And the same way with with the uh, the governments that, that these uh, different pieces of the image represent. When, when we look, these... These four will represent uh, Gentile governments, pagan governments, if you will, governments that had no desire in honoring God. These are the four governments that would, at one point in time, have possession over Jerusalem and, and mock God in doing so. As you know, King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. He was the first one to destroy Solomon's temple. Babylon is identified as the head of gold, and it, its its leader well, was seen in the entire world and having great value. He, he was looked at as, as the king, a man not to be messed with at all. He had absolute authority. No one in the land was greater than him. Today we, we have a, a president in our country. The president is by far the, has the highest authority of anyone in this country. But guess what? He's not above the law. That's Richard Nixon. The law came for him. But the law could not come for Nebuchadnezzar because he was indeed above the law. Next, as we go on to the silver, you'll see what is represented by what's called the Medo-Persia Empire. They were the silver portion, and, and they had kings. And you'll recognize their story from the book of Esther, Artaxerxes. He was the, one, and one of their kings. And in that story, what you'll notice is when he has given out an order, when he has decreed something, that even he as the king can't go against his own order because he is not above the law. And so you start to see the authority of these kings as you go through Daniel's image, L- loses some of their authority. They are not what they once were. And, in, and we, we go on into in the third part you'll see the Hellenistic or the Greek kings that ruled over Jerusalem. You can think of Alexander the Great. I don't know how great he was. But, but that is the name that history gives them. And the Greek kings, they had no dynasty or royal right to rule in Jerusalem. but ruled by, by force and fear and bribery. The Roman government was, of course, is the leg of iron. They, they didn't put up with anything. If you went against them, you probably ended up dead. Crucifixion was, was not invented by them. It was invented by the Perf, by the Persians, but it was perfected by them. And they used it to drive absolute fear of opposing them at all. And they are the ones that destroy the second temple. And they are the ones that are represented by the legs of iron. And as is, is rightly rightly stated that a day will come where there will be a revived Rome, Roman Empire, in, in a manner of speaking, that the same countries that, that ruled in those days will, will rule during the Tribulation. But first something will happen is there will be a worldwide government, and that government will slowly decay because humanity just never gets along too well. And so that, that will uh, result in a Ten-Kingdom government. And you see this later in Daniel 7 where, where it talks about the... the, the um, the, the crown the, and the, the, the beast and the, the little horn. I'm not going to go into, into all that. Um, we'll tackle that on a Sunday night sometime. But I want, wanted to point out to you what's in Daniel and what we see here in Revelation. That There is a fifth government. We often focus on these four, but which is the fifth government? What do you see in the scriptures? In Revelation 18, it speaks of a mighty angel picking up a stone and throwing it down. And Daniel, that stone hits the very feet of this image. And what happens? The whole thing topples down. The whole system comes down. Who is the stone? The stone is Jesus Christ. Amen. And whenever you see a stone referenced in, in Scripture, it is always the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus returns. Satan's kingdom will be utterly destroyed. There will be no remnant of Nebuchadnezzar in that empire. There will be no... No remnant of any of that that comes after with the Greeks, the Romans, the Hellenistic kings. None of that will be there. There will be no remnant of Satan and the Antichrist and his influence he had on the world. Because as Satan has tried to rule, and we understand that when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, Satan offered to him these kingdoms. He said, if you just bow the knee to me, you will be king over the entire earth. And I got good news for everyone. Jesus is going to be the king of the entire earth, and he doesn't have to bow the knee to Satan. Neither do you. because a day is coming where, where Jesus Christ is going to return, and he's going to utterly destroy the works of Satan, the kingdom of Satan, and there will be no more times where you'll have to look and say, Lord, how much longer? Why do we have to deal with this evil? Why is there cancer in the world? Why is there such evil? Over and over again, we see Satan as a destroyer, a deceiver. But the day is coming where he'll no longer be able to, to deceive. Amen. So, as, as we look at this, I want us to focus on the one path, passage here in Revelation 18 that says, Come out of her, my people. You know, the question I would ask you is, who do you trust are you trusting in Satan's system right now? Let's be honest with ourselves. Are we trusting in God? Are we trusting in Satan? The Satan system tells us that we need to be worried about our politicians and, and who's been elected to power, if they will do right or do wrong. We need to be worried about our healthcare system. I understand those worries. I'm a man with epilepsy. If they take away the subsidies for health insurance, I won't be all for it. That is the the honest reality. I'll have to drive drive to a rush hospital in Chicago to get get the medication for free. That's the only place in the state of Illinois I can get my medication without insurance. I, I understand the realities that we face. And the realities of Satan's system can always be identified with one word. Compromise. Are we compromising anything? In our lives, our marriages, with our families, our church. Do we compromise? Because compromise is where you'll find Satan working. He will tell you, you know what? You know, it's... You know, God has said this in his word, but this might be a little offensive to someone in your family, so don't tell them about that. Just just ignore that part and just pretend like it doesn't bother you. Or preacher... Don't talk about hell and sin so much. It it makes people not want to come to church. That's called compromise. Or for the people that when we, we come to church and we dress up in our nice ties, I, I like wearing a nice tie. I, the other six days of the week I'm a jean and t-shirt, pet tie. But but the reality is so many of us come and we put on this facade and kind of we put on a little mask of, of our church selves and it's kind of like Facebook. You, you go out there and you always post these great things, how much fun you're having. The, re- the reality is people can see you most of the time. You're probably miserable. The reality we got all this craziness going on in our life and we come to church and, and put up this facade like, hey, everything's great. I'm blessed. It's good to see you. I've had a great week. Haven't you had a great week? Let's get together. Let's sing songs as praise until we come back together We're all excited next week. Well, the reality is Monday through Saturday is hard. Satan is always attacking, always trying to get us to compromise. It, is your family, with you, is what, what they see, is that what they get? Or do they notice when you come on Sunday morning and they, maybe they came with you this week and they say, you know, this isn't really you. you. You're different here. But you're not different at home. Why aren't you like this at home? So often we, we put up this facade and try to pretend to be someone we're not. Stop pretending. God is watching. You can't pretend with God. If you're struggling, admit you're struggling. If you're compromising, come repent. We're here to help you. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to offer you grace and love. We're a family. But understand that a day is coming when Jesus Christ is going to return. And he's going to return with absolute fury. Read Revelation 19. You don't want to see the right the rider right of the white horse coming after you. You don't want to be in the city of Babylon. Ask Lot and his wife why they had to get out of Saddam and Gomorrah. When God's wrath comes down, it comes down with absolute fury. And there, there will be no delay, there'll be no compromising with God. Saying, God, well, I was only doing this because I had to provide for my family. You know what I believe God will tell you? Do you really think I would not provide for your family? You have little faith. Understand that God is going to provide for you. He may not provide for you in the way you want, but He'll provide for you in the way you need. I said earlier, I talked about the insurance and the medicine, and I know there's a lot of politicians doing things right now that make us very nervous if you're like me and have to buy insurance on your own. The reality is, is God has provided for me with insurance or without insurance. I've had many seizures in my life, and Praise God, for the last 10 years, I haven't had any. Amen. I don't I don't credit the doctors or the medication. I credit God. Amen. I trust God that He'll get me through whatever He has me to go through. And He'll get you through whatever you're going to have to go through. But God will not put up a compromise. If you want to see this church grow, we as a church cannot compromise. We have to examine our own hearts and say, is there sin in my life? If so, come down to the altar and confess the sin to God. Don't pretend like... You're going to come here day after day, year after year, and nobody else will notice. Maybe I won't notice. But a day will come when you'll stand before God, and he's noticed everything. I want you to think about the week you've had. I want you to imagine that Jesus was with you every day this week. Have you done anything this week that Jesus may not be so proud of? That he may have stopped you and said, Sid, no. Have you had any of those days? We all do. I was at the zoo yesterday, and I was ready to kill my little nephew. <laughs> <laughs> he's a dear, sweet child until he's tired, and then, then something else comes out of him. And I realized, leaving the zoo, I need to repent. And that's something small. But I realized God would not have been proud of me the way I acted towards him. I'm to be the light, as you all are times this week, I'm sure we haven't all been the like. Maybe we've said words or, or gossiped about others that does not bring God glory. Maybe we judged others wrongly or harshly without grace. We need to look at ourselves and examine ourselves. Are we living as God would have us to live? So when Jesus comes back, coming back as a thief, you will not know the moment it will come upon you that quickly. The Bible uses the word twinkling of an eye. Who knows how long that is? Scientists will tell you that it is one one thousandth of a second. They can actually measure a twinkling of an eye. And that is how quickly it is. That is how quickly, Christian, you will go from being here to being with Christ forever. And those of you that are pretending, we're coming here day after day, week after week, saying the right things, fooling all of us, fooling yourself, saying, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I do the right things. I pay my tithes. I give my offerings. Some of you will not go. And you will live through the hardest period in the history of the world. That is what Revelation is warning you against. Come out of her, my people. Come out of the world. Stop pretending you could have your foot in the world and your, your foot in heaven with God. It doesn't work that way. It's not a magical prayer to, to get your ticket punched and you can live like the world for the rest of your time. That's not what God has said. If you want to know more about that, read the book of Galatians. It will convict you thoroughly. You cannot live for God in man. You, you cannot live for God in Satan. Satan offers you a world to entice you. But every time you go to it, it, you will find that it has left you empty. It has been hollow. It has been a counterfeit. And Satan will say, you know what? We, we got these drugs over here. They will make you feel better. Prescription or not, they will make you feel better. Give those up. They're not going to make you feel better. Alcohol. Satan so will say, oh, it'll take the edge off. It'll make you feel better. Give it up. It ain't gonna make you feel better. It's gonna you're gonna get a sh- short happiness for a period of time, and you're gonna wake up and you're gonna be drunk. You're gonna be hung over. You're gonna have a headache that's horrible. And you're still gonna feel that pain and you're gonna feel even worse because you've sinned against God now. And you go on and we go on and talk about tobacco and cigarettes. Give them up. They do not offer you peace or joy or happiness. Go on and talk about pornography or a thousand other things that Satan offers you. The reality is only God can bring you joy. Only God will bring you that peace, that passes understanding. Stop looking to the world to fulfill what only God can fulfill. He is the one that has created you. And only God can fulfill that need that you have. Because we are designed to to have relationship with God, to have that fellowship. It's why my brothers are lonely. We talk about about Jeff meeting a lady friend. Brother Clay desiring that as well. The reality is, at the end of the day, we long for things that only God can, can give. I praise God for my wife, but ultimately, the longing that we all have is for God. And he, If He so chooses, He will bless us with a spouse. But seek God first. And He will add the rest to you. But if we are not seeking God first and we are not being right with God, we cannot expect anything else to be right in our lives. Do not worry if the world respects you or not. Worry about how God sees you. He is the one that is ultimately the judge. Don't worry about the world's agendas and its goals. God is going to deal with them and deal with them swiftly in one single day. The day will come very soon. You'll hear chatter on the news about the city of Babylon being rebuilt. That that in Iraq there's going to be this great city that is built up. Don't stress about that. Don't worry about them. Try to follow out which politician is going to be running that. Understand that God loves you. And that God is here for you. And that he will deal with them in his time. But now is the time for you to deal with what you've got going on. To deal with your own Babylon. What is your Babylon? What is it that you're struggling with? We all have struggles. I don't want anybody to sit here pretending, no, Pastor, I'm all good. I don't struggle with anything. If you do so, you're struggling with pride. God calls us to be humble. It's impossible to be humble while you're prideful. They don't they don't go together. They're like iron and clay. One's gonna crumble. So, so we get ready to, to play the music in just a moment. I, we are gonna have our altar calling. And, and if this is the day that you need to come down and and have Jesus be your Lord. I will pray with you. But I also want to offer the other side of the altar for anyone who needs to come and, and repent of any Babylon's in their life, anything that they've compromised on. Do not compromise. Compromise will always lead to sin, and sin leads to death. The world has compromised for too long. I want you to think about if Jesus followed you around for a week. How how much different would last a week have been? How much different would our church service be if Jesus was sitting right next to us? Remember, He isn't here in the Spirit. We shouldn't need to see Him physically for it to convict us. Right. For us to, to want to get up and praise and worship His holy name. That's right. For us to, to want to come and hear what God has to say. Lunch will come when it comes. We are here now for a reason to worship. To hear what God has to say. I don't need to remind you you're here for, you're here for a very short period of time. We have a, a great amount of work to do for the kingdom. Let us do it while it's still dead. When the rapture comes, you will, you will find darkness like you've never seen in the world before. Let us pray. Uh, Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here, Lord. I pray that there if there's any part of us that has taken place in Babylon, the Satan's way, the world's way of doing things, that you convicted and it, remove it from our hearts, Lord. I pray that you'd You would move that feeling in us where we get scared to come down to the altar because we're afraid of being judged or whatnot, Lord, that you would take that away. That you would allow us to come down and confess any sins that, that we need to confess to you, Lord God. And if there's anyone here who does not know you, they'd come and know you, Lord. And they would understand that you love them. That you're not trying to withhold pleasure from them, Lord, but that you're offering them a better way, a holy way, a way that leads to eternal life. In your holy name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.